Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. And the last thing I prayed for, uh, well, I always do the same prayer, which is so generic, but I always do. I hope everything's going to be okay. And I should probably get more specific, but I've generally like always, I'm maybe this won't come true now because I said it, but like for birthday wishes or for like short prayers or for like, if I, you know, blow out candles, any 11, 11, whatever, I always just go, I hope everything will be okay. <laughs> They, I I strive for okay. <laughs> Hi, JC. Hi, Jessica. First of all, um, I just want to say today's a small step in the advancement of American society. I'm actually, thank fucking God, that trial went the way it did. It's one small step toward justice. There's still so much work to do. It's daunting and it's a shame that it's taken this long and it's taken this much, but it does feel good to have one small victory. And I think people deserve to celebrate that and then get back to work. Agreed, agreed. Why are we here? What are we doing? We want to spread the good word <laughs> about Judaism. We're trying to convert people because we get points We're and money every time. <laughs> are there Jewish missionaries? No. Missionary work is very anti-Jew. Like that's the antithesis of Judaism. It's really like a religion that right. you're okay. supposed to this. come to. Not that a religion that's supposed to come to you. Sense. Which I'm down for. Ooh. I mean, same clearly. <laughs> I did want to talk about that article that you sent me, or it wasn't an article. It was actually a screenshot of a quote from an article that Sarah Silverman posted. Yes. Yes. So Sarah Silverman posted a screenshot from an article, which I obviously did not actually find uh, the entire article and read the entire, entire article, but I saw enough to know that Gary Oldman is a fucking asshole. Like... Would you like to um, extrapolate on what the Post said? Basically, Gary Oldman was defending Mel Gibson being an anti-Semite and a complete asshole and bigot and was saying that it was sort of like his anti-Semitic comments were sort of like a slip of the tongue. Well, not only did he say that what Mel Gibson has said in the past, it was accidental but that we've all we've all said things like that like who hasn't it was like something like that and it's like bitch i haven't and you know what gary oldman like serious black was my favorite character not any fucking more yeah i will not be watching mank and i will not be supporting it for the record mank looks mank 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 looks boring as fuck. I also like dislike Amanda Seyfried for no reason. Come at me, whatever. Just like what Mank, (laughs) so boring. Mank Mank, no thank you, Mank. I'm going to leave Amanda Seyfried out of this, but he plays a Jewish character, a real, who's a real person in that movie. And I think it just speaks to the conversations that we've been having lately on the podcast where like, if you want to play someone who doesn't have the same background as you, you need to be respectful of their life and their heritage and their community. And he clearly is not serving up that role. Yeah. Fucking mank. Fucking mank. So that's that on that. With that being said, we did have a lovely... And you know who I also think wouldn't appreciate it? Who? Yes. I was going to say Gabby Dunn. Gabby Gabby Dunn. Dunn. She's on the pod today. (laughs) She is. Honestly, great talk. Great person. Great talk. We had a really great combo with Gabby. We talked about money, sexuality, and Florida, most importantly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Gabby's great. Listen to the episode. (laughs) Okay, we love you. Bye. (laughs) Hey there, we're JC, and this is Jessica. Hello. Okay, hey, this is Pray For Us. It's a podcast about practicing an ancient religion in the modern day. We're talking about how we observe Judaism and other religions when it comes to holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. Today, we're talking to Gabby Dunn. Gabby Dunn is a New York Times bestselling author and comedian. Gabby has written on shows like Big Mouth and appeared in Take My Wife on Stars. Gabby is the host and creator of the podcast, Bad With Money, with Gabby Dunn. Um... 
<laughs> Gabby co-wrote I Hate Everyone But You, a New York Times bestseller, as I mentioned, and the sequel, Please Send Help. We've got a little more for you. Gabby also published her debut original graphic novel, Bury the Lead, which is currently being adapted as a television series. As a television series. That was a lot, but I feel like all of it was super important <laughs> and super relevant. Damn, so, Gabby. Hi, welcome to the podcast. We like to get all Hello. the accomplishments in there just so everyone you- knows. <laughs> I, yeah, my yeah, I, I didn't send a bio ahead of time, so I think that's the one from my website. Um, that's the one from very... your manager, actually. But I, <laughs> I cut it down. <laughs> oh wow, he, you know, he's a lovely guy who's really on top of things. It seems like <laughs> he it. kind of owns my life. He kind of is like he like is just the. I've been with him for like seven or eight years, and. He just is kind of in charge of me. <laughs> He's the boss. Like, I'm like, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it said, like, will be appearing in Take My Wife. And I was like, I think that was oh. two to three years ago. So I'm going to change the uh, the tense oh, there. I, but. <laughs> I have to let him know. Yeah, that was um, that was on uh, the now Rest in Peace CISO. Yes. Oh, gone too soon. <laughs> Along with Quibi and rest many others. Rest in Peace CISO. Rest in Peace Quibi. <laughs> I remember when people were getting comedy specials on CISO and I was just like, I don't know if this is the move. Well, I'm glad this is a show about religion because we are praying for CISO. And <laughs> we Ruby are always. And some other ones <laughs> upcoming who we won't mention. I actually like, don't think that I prayed for Quibi. I think that I unfortunately <laughs> prayed for Quibi to fail. Um, as someone that works in development, I just think selling to a platform like that is an utter nightmare. Um, but anyway, like it all happened for a reason. Don't, don't pray for Quibi. God is too busy. God has other things to worry about. Aside from God Quibi. is too busy for 10 minute clips. God, God has, God needs to see a TikTok and that's it. Gabby, are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. I, I just applied to be verified on TikTok. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, like filled out an application. How does that Thank work? So I've actually always been extremely curious. Because JC wants to be verified. <laughs> I mean, I have yeah. like 16 followers, but like I am who I say I am. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, I filled out like a, I emailed them and then they sent me a form saying, fill this out and prove to us that you're you. And then I filled it out. It helps that I'm verified on, on another platform. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, I'm looking forward to getting verified on TikTok as I did not get accepted to Raya. Which is what? the uh, famous really? person dating app. I got accepted that, to that. I got, I got accepted, accepted to that too. You should absolutely. That's insane. Homophobia. Definitely. <laughs> I think I think in the beginning it was like just how many verified people follow you to be accepted on Wow. Wow. That's wild. And like I had a moment where I had some like random celebs following me. I don't, I actually don't know why. Like at mm-hmm. one point Will Arnett was following me and I was like, I think you clicked the wrong person. <laughs> Like, wrong JC. So hopefully I, I, you know, the rejection from Raya has steeled my heart for a possible rejection from TikTok. I look forward to it. Honestly, I I am embarrassed by how much time I spend on TikTok. Oh, I have settings. It, my, I have things on my phone because I have mental illness. So I have things on my phone where like uh, I, I can only be on Instagram or TikTok for an hour a day. Yeah. I have a thing where like my phone is disables itself at 11 p.m. and it comes too. back online at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, forget it. <laughs> I just don't have TikTok because I know I would become so addicted to it. Like, I already spend so much time on Instagram. It's sickening, actually. The things I could have gotten done while <laughs> I'm watching Instagram stories is... It, it's actually upsetting. Well, that's why your phone has like screen time. And if you look at that, you can, it's like looking into like your own soul. It's really harrowing. It is. It's really frightening. Because once you see how many hours you've spent, you're like, I don't like myself. And I don't like what I've chosen. <laughs> the week of the election, it was like, your screen time is at 14 hours and 38 minutes per day. I was like, wait, am I even awake that long? <laughs> like, <laughs> like constantly refreshing. Anyway, Gabby, where <laughs> where where are you right now and where are you from? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles um, and I am from South Florida. I'm from like Fort Lauderdale area of uh, Florida, like Hollywood Beach. From Beach Hollywood Beach. to Hollywood. From Hollywood to Hollywood. Full circle. That's the title of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> the most boring memoir of all time. What was it like growing up in Florida? I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a mix of things. I 
in the beginning, we were more sort of like, like redneck Florida, where like, you know, my, my dad is a, was a salesperson for alarm systems. And then he became a salesperson for hurricane shutters, which is uh, a more lucrative business in Florida. I bet. <laughs> but he was always just kind of a salesman. And then um, my mom like started getting really into Judaism when I was in third grade. And so then everything that we did changed. So I, I would say like the original uh, part of me growing up in Florida was more of sort of like the the Wild West alligator wrestling sort of uh, Florida Everglades airboat kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we love an airboat. We love an airboat. <laughs> we went I, I went on one uh, with a boyfriend of mine from a while ago who was from Wisconsin. And he was like genuinely shocked by how close they let the gators get to you. That's nothing's more terrifying to me than an alligator. Truly. They're. Yeah, they can swim and walk and they have sharp teeth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they're also um, delicious. You I was going to say, Ooh. have you guys eaten it? Fried alligator. Yeah, that's like yeah, Florida's yeah. Mm, best delicacy. Mm-hmm. Is that kosher? No. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It tastes like chicken, though, but no, it's not. So they so then we became when we became religious, then Florida, you know, I think Florida is also very, very known for its Jewish population mm-hmm. where like everyone from sort of the New York Jew contingent kind of made their way down to South Florida. And like, you know, I was just telling someone that I took the New York Times dialect quiz, which is where you just uh, you you answer a bunch of questions and it can kind of pinpoint freakishly like to the city where you're I from. I did that too. And it, it's to me, it said uh, Hollywood, Florida, and then Queens, New York. Wow. And I was like, you can just say Jew. <laughs> like, what you mean is Jew. And, and so I think like, yeah, the New York Jew to Florida Jew pipeline is kind of where we, my mom was from Queens and went to school at Brooklyn College and then came down to Florida for law school. And so we, we I had two experiences of Florida. One was like the more trashy version and then we were still trashy, but we just started all of a sudden became incredibly religious, like in the span of six months. And then that lasted until I went to until I graduated from high school. And then my parents were like, that was weird anyway. And then put my sister in public. <laughs> Wait, why do you think your mom got so into religion? Yeah. Well, so my dad said was an addict and an alcoholic. Mm, and so he it. was going all around, doing all kinds of stuff. Um mm-hmm. He's sober now. He's been sober like 18 years. But he was kind of just going around doing all kinds of stuff. And my mom, I think, just like wanted some something to hold on to, something to do. And she had never had a bat mitzvah because just her generation didn't tend to have bat mitzvahs for for girls. So she decided kind of like randomly, I want to have a bat mitzvah. She was like 50. My mom did the same thing, by the way. Yeah, my baby did and that. And so she just, yeah, so she just wanted to have one. So then she started going to all these classes and everything, and and taking all these like Jewish classes at the local synagogue, which was like, I mean, I think the synagogue was like two minutes from our house, and we had had like a rabbi, you know, like a rabbi had come and like gave given me like a, you know, a a baby naming or whatever when I was a kid. But that had been like, you know, 10 years prior to when my mom all of a sudden was like, oh, remember that rabbi? Like, maybe, maybe we, I should still talk to him because it was like my grandmother's rabbi. Oh, wow. So then, yeah, then she got really involved in the synagogue and then she started like working on like the planning committees for the synagogue. And then she wanted to be like ritual vice president of the synagogue. And then she became president of the synagogue. And then my dad became president of the synagogue. And then and then I my parents moved me into a, a Jewish day school and a Jewish summer camp. This all happened super fast, super fast. How did you feel about that? I, I, it was very different. The kids were super different. Um, I went from not wearing a uniform to wearing a uniform. What grade was this? Third grade. Okay. So, I mean, it was fine. The kids were, it was definitely a totally different economic bracket. So I went from like, you know, friends at public school where we were all kind of similar, like low to middle income kids Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden at this. Jewish day school where everyone was rich. And and I and I did I had these um scholarship. I had this like half tuition scholarship where I had to go and like, you know, do a presentation and like apply or whatever and then they 
gave me and do some sort of speech or whatever in front of a committee. And then they gave me money. And um, so we went and and uh, and then my sister ended up leaving. She she went to middle school and high school elsewhere because they just didn't have she had ADHD and they just didn't have the it was such a small school. I mean, there was 150 kids, that is 35 kids, 35 kids in my grade. Wow. My sister, they just didn't have the resources for for someone with ADHD. So she ended up leaving. But and she also wanted to. But I so I but I graduated high school there. Tiny, tiny class. You know, the odds of you liking and befriending someone within those 35 people that is like an actual match for friendship is slim. slim. (laughs) And I kind of slowly like I really liked I liked synagogue. I liked my camp. I did all I mean, I knew all the prayers. I did all the stuff. It was like such a deep part of my life. Then I started like, you know, rebelling for a lot of different reasons. My grandmother got sick and I was sort of like, well, how could God let this happen? And then I was also like, "Uh oh, I'm gay. So like a lot of sort of things were happening at once. <laughs> and um, and then I didn't want to do a confirmation when I was like in 18 or something, yeah. 17. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do it. My parents were like, you have to do it because it had started becoming like right, like a social club where like everyone at the synagogue had to do all the things. And otherwise the other people at the synagogue would be like, why is your kid not doing this thing? And so then they ended up, I ended up doing it. And then, but now like my parents have always been kind of like chill. Then now they're like, I graduated high school and they were like, that was so weird that we made you do all that stuff. I don't know what happened anyway. (laughs) And then like my sister got to go to public school. (laughs) Like it was some weird, like, 10 year long experiment with Judaism. And then like, they're still religious. Like they still are religious. They still like believe in God and do all the holidays and stuff. But they were like so intense about it for no good reason for like 10 years. And then, and then long enough for it to like affect me. And then they were like, anyway, that was bizarre. (laughs) This might be the world's most ignorant question, but at a Jewish day school, are all the teachers also rabbis or is it like that's not like that. Mm, no, so they're not all rabbis. Okay. Um, some some of them are rabbis. Some of them are rabbis. Some of them are just Jewish peoples. A lot of my teachers were Israeli. Okay. A lot of my teachers were even like in subjects that were not Hebrew or religious were were Israelis. So I have like a very PTSD reaction to the Israeli accent. <laughs> I think everyone I, does. Even yeah. It's an intense accent. And it's also like, I just heard it most often yelling at me for talking or not sitting correctly in class or something. So in my mind, it's a very strict accent, like how people react to nuns. Oh, yeah. But then if every so often there would be like a non-Jewish teacher and that would be like a scandal. What would they teach? Like Like math or something? Yeah, we had an English teacher, um, Miss Fernandez, who was not Jewish. And it was a thing. It was headline news. It was a scandal. <laughs> All the six, we were like in sixth grade and everyone was like, she's not Jewish. And then we would just like, be like, that's crazy. And like, it was such a thing. And then she started dating the Judaic studies teacher who was so hot. And, oh my um, God, that must've been riveting. Scandal. It was the most exciting thing that had happened to this group of sixth graders. We were all just like, <gasps> and, but then we were all like, Mr. Mr. Reinstein, Miss Fernandez is not Jewish. What are you going to do? And we were like invested. Also, it was so funny because my mom is still friends with him. And he was like, so we were in sixth grade and he was like 22. He was like 10 years older than us as a teacher. And he was so hot. And then my mom is still friends with him. And then my partner and I went down to Florida and he came to like this event that we were at and he came up and he was talking to me and I was like, oh my God, hi, blah, blah, blah. Like, so good to see you. And he walked away. My partner went, that guy is so hot. (laughs) And and my partner was like, just, do you know that he's hot? And me and like two of my friends from middle school were like, we know. Wait, wait till we have a story. Like he's our he's our old teacher, and yes, we know he's hot because he coached the softball team, and everyone joined softball. <laughs> was it the kind of school though where everyone was doing everything? It's like when the school is that small. I feel like everyone's in the drama club. Everyone's in the play. <laughs> everyone is like doing the like food driver or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's no. Prob- it's still. It still got split up. I mean, granted, the the sports teams. So, like, if yeah. you were on basketball, you were on volleyball. Okay. Or, like, if you were on, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, it was, like, the sports stuff was very... Like, if you were an athlete, you were an athlete. You yeah. were an athlete, you were an athlete in all the sports. Right. Except for me, I only did basketball. But, like, 
I don't know. The popular girls did volleyball, and I felt really like that's a through so line. Like, that's a high school thing. All yeah. popular, popular girls, girls always do volleyball. They love spandex shorts. That's why they play volleyball. <laughs> is that what it is? I think so. My partner was like out as a lesbian in high school, and like all their girlfriends came from volleyball. I was like, what is going on? I did volleyball for Parks and Rec, and I was. So, uh. It wasn't. I did not make the high school team. I was so bad and so chatty. I have a specific memory of the coach making me run laps around the volleyball court, which is not that big, (laughs) for talking. (laughs) And I was like, fuck this. I hate this. I'm not doing this anymore. It's not worth it. Did you, like, cut all the corners? Every time I had to do laps, I would, like, Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) What city were you in? In Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. So there, you were like, I don't, I can't do uh, school volleyball, but I will do rec league volleyball. Well, I was, it was all social for me. All my friends were doing it. Right. So I was like, I can't be on the volleyball team with them, but I think I found a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I was also on the Jewish Community Center, the JCC. Okay. Um, I was on their basketball team and it was, it was like technically all like boys and girls basketball, but there were like three girls in the whole league. And I was like, I'm joining it. And I like did that. I did like Maccabee basketball. Maccabee. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was yeah, a thing. I, I didn't do any of that. The Maccabee games. I did all of that. And I was looking back, I was trying to talk to my dad about it. I was like, I wasn't good at it. Like I kept doing basketball with like no conscious. I don't remember ever being like, I seem to suck at this. <laughs> like I had no concept of like, I was just like, that's what I do. I play basketball. I play basketball here. I play basketball there. Uh, no, no <laughs> this idea. This is my like, identity. <laughs> Is this what I like to do? Is this what I want to do? Is this, am I good at this? Like, it was just like, this is my activity. I was that way with softball. Like, I was definitely always really bad at it. But it was just Mm -hmm. something that I, like, I played with the boys when I was like third grade to fifth grade. And then I was like, well, I'm Mm going to stick with it since like, I'm already known for playing with the boys. So then, yeah, I just did softball through high school, even though I like definitely barely made the team like three years in a row. They like probably just felt bad for me. Mm I think that, too. I think that maybe they didn't. I, I think that they were just like, I don't know. She keeps showing up. Like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> she's here every year. There's like 35 kids in this whole. There's like 150 kids in this school. Like she's, you know, 411. Like, on what <laughs> you know, like just let her play. I don't know. <laughs> but we played. Speaking of Judaism. So we played a school called um, Donna Klein. And we also played a school called Hillel. Ooh. And they both. The girls' basketball team wore skirts, long skirts. Oh, my Jersey God. material. Jersey material, long skirts. What do they it call that? It's not, it's like Mormon women dressed that way. It's not tasteful, not conservative. Modest. 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 Yeah. Yes. Modest. So we played them in basketball, uh, mesh skirts. Could they not? They're, Here's a question cheap. about modest dressing and athleisure. Can they not wear pants? I don't know. That wasn't, I don't know. I We, I, we didn't ask questions. We were I don't like think the, so. I wonder what I the ruling is behind that. I think they have to just wear. I mean, it was very. It's it's an interesting thing because you would just go and be like, okay, and then they would be so good at basketball, and you'd be like, oh, because that this is like that they don't have like a, any other like thing. TV. Yeah. They're not. They're not hooking up with each other. They're not <laughs> like. They're not like you know. They have all Saturday free because they're just like you know you can't watch TV or play video games on the Sabbath. Like, these people are laser-focused. It's wild to me that there was more than one Jewish day school where you lived. Because in Phoenix, Uh even though it's a really big city, there aren't enough Jews for there to be more than one or two Jewish day schools. And they were all, like, K through 12. And there Mm -hmm. were, like, 150 kids. But there were hundreds of Christian and Catholic schools, and they were Mm -hmm. all, like, bursting at the seams. And they had, like, huge, really nice campuses, too. Well, this is Florida. Like, I mean, it, there were, there was, I mean, there was a bunch of them. There was our school. There was, like, uh, Hillel, which was more religious. Donna Klein, which was more religious. There were, like, a few, like, Chabad schools. Like, it was all, uh, there was, like, a wide range. Our school was, like, a conservative Jewish school, although we did have, I mean, it was, like, we had separate buildings and we had, like, um, secular classes in the afternoon and religious mm. classes in the morning. And um, there was a lot of bleed over where like, like I could have a test in the morning that was like about evolution and I would answer all those questions. And then I would have a test in the afternoon that was about the Torah and I would have to answer as if that was the, que- like, so like oh, I would have like, I could have confusing. like two conflicting classes. Yeah, I could have a class in the morning that completely contradicted a class in the afternoon. 
But that's very Jewish, I think, because it forces you to really be analytical and question and Mm -hmm. think, even though that was probably not the intention, or maybe it was. I mean, I felt, I felt very pulled and I felt very much like, I felt like, you know, kind of like a libertine where I was like, I'm so like cool and queer and like, I, you know, I'm, I'm the characters from Rent. And I'm like, you know, this kind of whatever, like I just thought, yeah, it was like, I'm like artsy and poetic and like, uh, you know, I was a writer and all these kinds of things. And then I felt really boxed in by like learning, like, you know, the, the Torah laws or like learning about like, well, you know, you should behave modestly and you should do this and you should, you know, all this kind of thing. And like, even at certain synagogues that I would go to where like, you know, the, the women sit in the back. Mm-hmm. I was like a little like 13 year old feminist being like, I will not, you know, yeah. like I think like there was a lot. And I and I really like when I got to college, I was I, I really was like, I, I don't want to be religious at all. I was like, fuck Judaism. I like went fully away from it. And then starting like in the last few years, I've like come back to it more because it's so hard. Like it, when I grew up, the the way that I did, it's like, it was all cultural. So like everything cultural, songs, food, way of talking, like sense of humor. Um, you know, I grew up learning Hebrew. So speaking Hebrew, like uh, my, my summer camp was Jewish. So, and all the teachers at my school were Israeli and all the counselors at my summer camp were Israeli, which was like really hard in college and beyond to try to unpack some of the Zionist stuff that I had been mm-hmm. really like hammered into me. Um, and certain, you know, very like tribal Jewish things such as like, do not trust Gentiles, like assimilation is bad, like all this kind of stuff that I think was like really uh, like even, you know, dating. I remember I went on birthright and my boyfriend at the time in college was not Jewish and the people on birthright like would not let it go. And really? Were, like, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not surprised by that at all. And they were trying to. Well, I mean, the whole point of birthright is to get young Jews you to meet to each meet other, another Jew to yeah. meet each other and get married. If you get married off of birthright, they pay for your honeymoon, right? Yeah. You so, get to go back to Israel, I think. <laughs> my um, summer camp. If you meet your spouse at the summer camp and you get married, they like put up a, a pavilion for you. Like it's it's this very, you know, thing where it's all sort of centered around getting you to marry another Jew. Mm-hmm. So they just would not let it go. There was like a lot of stuff that was still to this, you know, still to this day, I think I had to like really work on unpacking some of the like fear tactic rhetoric of like, of like, you know, the because of the Holocaust, we're always going to be persecuted, which like my family is Holocaust survivors. So I still have like a lot of really intense feelings about that. And then that all got really exacerbated by the 2016 election, because all of a sudden it felt like anti-Semitism was back. It was bigger than ever, like in a way that I was surprised by. Like I was like, uh, like specifically the sort of like anti-Jewish rhetoric or like dog whistles or like cartoons of like like I was just like what it's felt so vintage but I was like what is happening um and so then it started to become more of like an important and I don't know if it's just aging or it's just like the political climate right now but like then it sort of became important to me again to be like no I have to be out about being Jewish I have to talk about being Jewish because I probably have fans who like live in households where the parents are casually anti-Semitic or where they're seeing things in school or they're going online and seeing things that are anti-Semitic. And like, maybe if I don't talk about being Jewish, they might not know that I'm Jewish. And so then I started feeling more like a, uh, almost like in the past, there had been a disconnect between my queerness and my Judaism. And now all of a sudden they seem to kind of go together where it's like, if I'm in your home and your earbuds and like my book is on your shelf as like a queer person, then like you need to also be like, this is a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't like, because I don't think that it's just a religion. I'm sure you guys have talked about it. I mean, there's this like, yeah, is Judaism a race? Is it an ethnicity? Like all this kind of stuff. And so like, I think like a, some of it is, it is to me an ethnicity. Like I'm obviously white, but like, you know, it's an ethnicity. Whereas like, you know, there's black Jews, there's Asian Jews, there's, you know, Latino Jews. So I feel like because it's an ethnicity, it's hard. It was harder for me to like shake off than maybe I don't know, but maybe someone who's just like Christian and, and yeah. gay. 
I agree. So it was like, yeah. I, and then I sort of came back around to it. And now I like, am, I had like a, when I had Twitter, I had like a little Jewish star symbol in my bio. Me at 14 would have been like, <laughs> what? Well, first of all, she would have been like, what the hell's Twitter? <laughs> second of all, she would have been like, oh, you're like advertising your Judaism. Like, that's so weird. Yeah. We, we do talk about this a lot, but like, especially for people like myself who sport a very Christian you know, Roman Catholic Italian last name, I make it mm-hmm. known upon pretty much meeting someone, whether it's like with a Hamsa necklace or just like being over the top. Uh, <laughs> Jewy. Or just with my personality. With my- well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that like Jews and Italians are like a Venn diagram. Yeah. And so with your last name, like there's a world in which I'm like, okay, I'm getting all the Jewish signals, like hand motions, <laughs> the way they talk, like all this kind of stuff. But it, but then I, I go, wait a minute. Am I just, am I mistaking it for, is it Italian? I did that with Lady Gaga. Like I was like, juju, juju, oh, Italian. It's Italian. A hundred percent. A lot of times you'll see someone and you'll be like a Jew. And then you'll be like, just, just Italian. Italian. <laughs> I know, but it's, I mean, it's wild when, you know, a lot of if people you come in contact with don't know you're Jewish, what will mm-hmm. slip under their breath or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I know I've said this a thousand or times. Or if they the do know you're Jewish. And well, they think yeah, it's not that's a deal. You. But like yeah. the one instance I'm thinking of that I don't think I've told you, Jess, is well, Jessica and I used to work together at a company that had no Jews and we were the only Jewish people there. Um, right. Which is part of the reason we started this podcast. But I was on a call where, you know, we were discussing talent for a project. And one of the executives suggested Jeff Goldblum. And my boss at the time was like, eh, nah, too Jewish. Did you say anything? I said something after. I did not say yeah. something during the call because I was supposed to be taking notes. Did not write that yeah. one down. But it's like the yeah. little things <laughs> like that where if people don't know you're Jewish or even if they forget for a second, it's like shit like I that. Was talking, I was talking to someone from another minority group and we were talking about working in entertainment. My partner's Jewish. And I was like, yeah, my partner might start doing some stuff in, um, in the acting world. And this person went, oh, that's what we need more Jews in Hollywood. <gasps> but they, but like, but they're they were also a minority. <laughs> so I was like, I, it's a weird, it's what? a weird tightrope of, you know, right? who mm-hmm. should be saying what. And I mean, yeah. yesterday, I don't know if either of you listened to um, Hank Azaria on Armchair Expert. Um, Monica Padman, who hosts with Dax, is Indian. And... They were talking about, you know, Hank was apologizing for all the years of being Apu. And then Hank was saying something about being Jewish. And then Monica was like, well, Jew-, literally the exact same thing. She was like, well, Jews run Hollywood. So it's a different story. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it's that's the thing is that the anti-Semitism is so casual. So and casual. I think mm-hmm. like and you Jews know, make this- fun of themselves so much, too. I know. But because but it's like kind of it's understood that like you can make fun of your own group Mm -hmm. and also Italians. (laughs) But we are close enough that I feel. no. (laughs) But it it is this it is. Yeah, this thing of and it's hard to because especially as like a leftist where you're, you know, Zionism has kind of been like a, a big problem. But it's like the unpacking of like what is anti-Zionism versus what is um, anti-Semitism. So like, you know, being pro-Palestine and being, um, you know, aware of like the human rights injustices, but then not letting that spill over into Jews are greedy, Jews are bad, <laughs> Jews are, you know, like it's a really fine line. Totally. Um, and sometimes people really just are like, wait, like they're t- tipping their toes in to like wait until you're like, yes, I agree. And then they're like, and Jews are. And you're like, no, we yeah. are close. You're not that one. You have to call people out, though. I think we have like a responsibility, even though that's scary. I don't notice sometimes. My partner's very attuned to it. Mm. I Someone was saying something about like either of us having a nose job or whatever. And I just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like joking. And then my partner was like later was like, no, that's anti-Semitic. And I was like, I think it was just like because we have little. And then she was like, you know, the other person was like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't, I was just talking about, and I was like, well, it is because we have, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and that whole thing of like, but then I did, I, I went to a school with 150 kids and after, you know, seventh and eighth grade, 10 of them had no <laughs> So like, it's hard, like, 
Like, it's the joke is real. Yeah. But also, I think that a lot of people get nose jobs now. Like, it's very common for teenagers to get plastic surgery. That's the thing is that it it is it's that's how you parse out like the stereotype. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's we're only looking at it if these people do it. But then it is like absolutely widespread. But it's also interesting going back to what we were saying about people from other minority groups also like sort of punching down. I think that's just like a great reminder that no matter what your background is or no matter how you identify, you always have to be aware of how Mm -hmm. other people and other people's experiences, like you don't just get a free pass for that. And I think some stuff intersectionally doesn't come up. Like friends of mine who are black Jews, people Mm -hmm. will just assume they're Christian. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that you have to keep an eye on, even as a Jewish person, like there are black Jews, there are Jews of all kinds of, you know, Spartac Jews. And and I think like the the idea that like a Jew is like a white, dark haired girl from New York is like a very narrow yeah. um, view. Or I wanted to go back to what you were saying about realizing that you were queer in high school. What was that experience like being at such a small school and having it be a Jewish school where there wasn't a lot of diversity? Um, Bad. i would um i would try to subtly argue sort of like pro pro queer pro like diverse uh opinions and they were not met with uh enthusiasm from the teachers a lot of the time i remember getting you know being asked to sit in the hallway a lot because i was like accused of sort of causing trouble when i was kind of just like but does it have to be this way and Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have anyone I feel that I felt I could talk to. And a lot of I didn't know any queer adults. I didn't know any, you know, there was like rumors that one of our history teachers was gay, but it was like it was like a bad thing. And like there were a lot of the girls would call each other lesbian as an insult, which is not a thing necessarily of the Jewish community, but rather, I think, of our generation. Um, that was so weird that that ever happened. That was a thing weird that phase. kept happening. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it still happens, but also like Gen Z is like really on another level. Yeah. Gen Z is so cool. When I like go, I like went, I wrote the Bad With Money book and I like went to some high schools and was interviewing high school girls. And they were all like, I was like so closeted in high school. And these girls are like, hi, I'm Katie. She, her, bisexual Slytherin. And I would be like, (laughs) what the fuck? Okay, go off. Oh my God. Um, Wow. So that's amazing. And so, you know, I didn't, I I didn't really tell anyone or talk to anyone. I mean, I had like one friend that I talked to and and then I, you know, there was I there was like this girl that I had this back and forth with, but it was always just it, I wasn't really I just I just was like, I have to table this until I'm in college. Like, there's nothing that I can. There yeah. was no examples. There was no world in which I I didn't see other gay teenagers. I didn't see te- like gay couples like I just mm-hmm. never I, I nowhere, not at my synagogue, like not anywhere. So you kind of get this idea where you're like. Either it doesn't exist in this community, and if you want to keep being part of this community, you can't do it. Or more so, I thought, okay, so you don't make it to adulthood. Like, unless you just, unless you just, like, get married and hide it or whatever. But I was like, I guess you just don't, a lot of people just don't, you don't grow up, I guess. That's so fascinating because at my temple, our rabbi is, she's actually still the rabbi there, Rabbi Mari Chernow. She is a lesbian and was out and everyone was very supportive. And I was always like, Judaism is so progressive. Like, look at Rabbi Chernow. <laughs> Were you a, a, re- a reconstructionist or reform? Reform, yeah. So that's a different thing. With like, I remember, I, I knew that I would go to reform synagogues and there would be like tambourines and guitars and like, I'd be like, reform is awesome. But then part of me like internalized, maybe even from my school or from my own synagogue, which was conservative, that reform wasn't real. That reform wow. and reconstructionist Judaism wasn't real. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, the way that I grew up was certainly reform as well. And then, but then to think that my version of Judaism and what I practice and have been practicing this whole time is like considered to not be Judaism by every other sect is like yep. really bums me out. It's a That's bummer really that lame. we can't all come together because I know that like, 
the ultra orthodox don't think that the modern orthodox right. are real. The modern mm-hmm. orthodox don't think that the conservative are real. And then the conservatives turn around and and look at the reform and reconstructionists and go, well, that's just. I mean, even just the use of just, right? It's just a reform synagogue. It's just a reconstructionist synagogue. We don't. It's not serious. You don't have to dress up. And like the people that went to reform or reconstructionist synagogues were always the people who were like, I only go on Yom Kippur. Yeah. I only go, I only go on Rosh Hashanah. But there are, but like what you don't see is that there are people in reform and reconstructionists who go every week who are just as religious. It's yeah. just a different version of Judaism. But like there was, there was like a looking down upon. And then I kind of am like, when someone is anti-Semitic in government and like hates Jews, they're not going to go through and be like, oh, well, you're reform and you're orthodox. So we'll hate you both differently. They're going to hate us all the like same. Like, we're all in this exactly. together, babe. Like- <laughs> Which is why there's such a problem with, I think, like, in the in the opposite direction where secular Jews make fun of or are really dismissive of ultra-Orthodox Jews. Mm-hmm. And also, That's true. Uh, uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews are not nice to us, for sure. But that doesn't mean that, and they, like, are disparaging. But it doesn't mean that, like, then we side with, you know, that we side against them. Like, yeah. there's a lot of political stuff where it's like, you know, oh, the, the fucking Chabad, the fucking Lubavitch or whatever. It's that slippery slope again, right? Where like, you're standing with someone who's who's not Jewish and they're like the fucking black hats. And you're like, yeah. And then and then you're like, but now you've agreed with that. Right. So then they're like, and you guys run the banks. And then you're like, oh, no, wait a minute. You caught me. You know what I mean? Like, it's a slippery slope. It is. Of like starting to agree about certain sects of Judaism. And how do you know it's not going to come back on you? I guarantee it will. But it's hard because they are um, gener. They have <laughs> not. They have been super not nice to me. <laughs> it makes it hard. <laughs> they definitely have looked at my tattoos and been like, "You're going. You're like a bad person." But yeah. that doesn't mean that I don't. I don't get to be the that I that I that I means that I side against them. You know what right. I mean? Completely. And it's hard to be the bigger person like that. Um, I was going to ask you about the tattoos. Did your parents have any initial problem with them or they're, they're chill? No, I mean, my my first tattoo is in Hebrew. It's of my grandmother's name in Hebrew, which kind of always gets people. Like if I'm wearing like a tank top or something and it shows. Are people like, like wait, Jews are always like, ah! <laughs> well, many times in my life, Jews have come up to me because of it and been like, Jew! <laughs> like, Hello. Yes. <laughs> uh, or like Jews love to come up and say that they can read my tattoo. They'll be like, ooh, it says Leia. And I'll be like, it does say Leia. Incredible work. <laughs> Incredible detective work. <laughs> or they'll be like, is that your oh, men used to always be like, is that your name? And I'd be like, yes, I've tattooed my own name on myself. <laughs> In case I forget it. In case I forget. Um, so I have a Hebrew tattoo. That was my first one. My mom went with me to get it because it's her mother. Cute. Okay. And then my dad hated it and freaked out and didn't like it and didn't know why. It was like, your mom only went with you to get it and didn't tell me so that she could win cool points with you and so that you would you would like her more than me. <laughs> yeah, and it works. <laughs> and it works. They never had a problem with it. Because, like, my thing is, like, oh, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. First of all, that's, uh, in, that's insulting to Holocaust victims mm-hmm. at, who were tattooed against their will. And second of all, I'll be dead. So who cares? But also, like, they, my dad didn't like it because he thought it was trashy, which is hilarious coming from a man who used to, like, sell cocaine in a cowboy hat and spurs. So, like, he was trying to rebrand the family. Like, I just find those tattoos trashy. Really? Because uh, you, you like ran, a, you ran like a leather goods store and like knocked up some girl whose name you didn't know. You want to talk about trashy? Like, <laughs> let's get into it, Mark. I feel um, like that's always the excuse. Any Jewish mother or father is just like, it's trashy. It's like, what is trashy? Trashy is like a construct. <laughs> yeah, truly. Like, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, it was just very. It was well. He ended up. We unpacked it for a while and he was like, you're right, it's sexist. And I was like, thank you. But yeah, but they I mean, they there were just things that I didn't really care about tattoos. I was more like panicked tr- eating pork <laughs> like oh for the God. first time. <laughs> what you think? So, <laughs> Did you like it? I'm not like a huge fan of it. I was like, it's fine. But I still get nervous. Like nothing. I'm like aware nothing's going to happen to me. But like if like we're at a restaurant, I'll I'll never even look at the pork options. Like I just out of habit. I don't even consider it. I don't I I and also because we never drank milk. Same. 
Same. You just, because you didn't know if like your dinner, I mean, the idea like looking at families on TV who are like eating their steak dinner with a glass of milk, like because of kashrut. Well, and because of kashrut, you don't do it. Right. But, like when I see that on TV, I'm like, that is the weirdest thing. I, it looks like literally you're putting ketchup on ice cream. Like to me, it makes no sense. Agreed. It's so funny how those things get ingrained in you because I have this weird aversion to eating eggs and chicken at the same time, which I do not think is a rule about a rule of like being kosher. But I don't like the idea of eating the baby or the child and the or mother, the offspring which is and the mother. Judaism. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't even keep kosher, but it's just like something that's just been nailed into my head. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of little Jewish things or like all, you know, things that that's why it's so cultural because it'll be like things that my mom will have said or something that like, you know, there's a lot of Jewish words that when you're talking to non-Jews sometimes, like it's Yiddish basically, Mm -hmm. that's all it is. But sometimes you'll just be like things that are, that have been things that my family, like Shana Punam. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, like you're being a nudnik. Nudnik. Or what is a nudnik? It's like a ding dong. It's like, oh, a, okay. it's like a, a nudge. It's like a, a nudge. Like someone who's okay. bothering you. Like being a you. nuisance. Okay. It's like a nuisance. A nuisance. A nudnik. Or like, a, yeah, or your spitzing or like all this kind of stuff that someone would say, what does that mean? And I'd be like, it's a feeling. Like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> no direct translation. Pishach is one because my mom, whenever, um ocean water or pool water is super warm she'll be like "Ugh, it's pishach in here which just means it's like feels like piss <laughs> and and so like my so many times i've like gotten it you know like i've gotten into a swimming pool or something and been like oh it's like pishach in here and then someone's like what and i'm like it means pee <laughs> there's just so many my partner now is jewish so that's been a real cool shorthand now that makes to it just easier. have i have to tell you it's hard I, um before doing research on you for the podcast, mm-hmm. I didn't know that your partner partner is Mel. I yeah. literally am the biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, for really? real. Like I, I was supposed to see Mel in like Highland Park right before COVID. Yeah, I, but I got COVID, or I got I like couldn't <gasps> go. I gave I didn't go to the show. And it's like one of my <laughs> biggest. Oh my god! I might have I might have been at that show. Well, because I, I was there. like my, <laughs> my partner. My um my partner is a musician, a Jewish musician, musician named Mal Blum. Not a Jewish mu- musician. A musician in the sense that of, like, happens to be Jewish. Happens yeah, to not Jewish. like Debbie Friedman, but like Rafi. Rafi. I don't even know. Yeah, Rafi was Jewish. I think. I don't even. I first of all, I was like looking up Debbie Friedman because I went to a couple seders, Zoom seders, and then we were singing the like Dianu and then or so, she has a version of one of them, and we were like, yes. oh my god, Debbie Friedman, and then we were like, oh, Debbie Friedman's Mishuberach is so good, whatever, all this stuff, and then I was <laughs> she, like looking up, looking up Debbie Friedman, lesbian, and then I was like, who owns the life rights to Debbie Friedman's life, and where is the biopic? <laughs> Honestly, okay. Yeah, she is like an icon. She, I feel like she basically just took all of these like traditional Jewish mm-hmm. songs and just made them bops. Only came out as a lesbian in her obituary. What? Correct. Oh my god, I'm shook. That's yeah, kind of a like boss a real name. a real Sally Ride situation. <laughs> Did she write her own obituary? No. Damn, what a life. Shocking, but um. But I guess, it, according to Wikipedia, people in her life knew she just wasn't. She just hadn't officially said anything. So my partner is um, is Jewish as well, and like that. And I had not had that for a very long time. I had not dated other Jews. I like wasn't. And then because I, I resisted, because I was like, the whole narrative of Jews having to marry other Jews is so stupid, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Um, and then my partner too had not really dated other Jews. And then now we're both like just the tiniest little like small neurotic little like people together <laughs> it it's makes like sense a very a good match <laughs> yeah and our small chihuahua we're both very small we have a small dog neurotic the dog has a sweater that my mom got him for hanukkah that's just blue and it says happy hanukkah <laughs> the cutest thing i've ever seen in my life legendary but, like, now mal and i do stuff like we'll do shabbat we'll do sometimes and like have people over or we'll do um we went to shabbat at another person's house pre-COVID or we'll have like, you know, we we did two different Zoom seders. My mom like sent the seder plate from our house and we did Hanukkah and like all this stuff that like I didn't do with other partners. That's so really nice. nice. We just like get older and 
start and date someone that's also Jewish and then just become your parents? Like, is that what happens? <laughs> Honestly, I'm pretty sure. Yes. I'm my boyfriend is not Jewish, but uh, my mom also married someone that was not Jewish. So I'm like, oh, fuck, here it goes again. Um, but like, I was raised Jewish. Yeah. My dad converted. I mean, Jack is yeah. probably going to convert. I mean, don't tell him I said oh. that. But <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's also the. The thing of like needing the other person to like the things that you didn't even know that you cared about. Like when someone I was dating someone who was like, well, I don't think our kid would have a bar mitzvah. And I was like, over my dead body, they'll have a bar mitzvah. <laughs> they will have a bar mitzvah. And then it was like, why do I care? Like, oh, it just came out. I know. It's so yeah. fucking weird. It's like some of these decisions are already made for you and you don't even realize. That being said, I don't know what I want yet. My boyfriend is not Jewish. We've only been dating for like six months and we've not talked about any of this stuff. So <laughs> I cannot but you speak just, on but it. You just assume when I was dating people who weren't Jewish in the back of my mind the whole time, I was like, well, they'll convert. But then yeah. a couple of times I've asked, like, then like I asked like an ex of mine and she was like, what? Like, and I just assumed I was like, well, obviously, if we got married, you would convert and we would have a Jewish wedding. And this person was like, this has never come up. Like, this is not what? I know it's such a big deal to convert, especially because it's such a long process and you really need mm-hmm. to commit mm-hmm. and study a lot and really show up. But I'm like, come on, like. If my dad could do it, anyone could do it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's easier to convert to Judaism in my head just because to me, it's slightly more fascinating than other I know. religions. But yeah, I'm biased. Or just, yeah, or just like, it's this interesting thing with straight couples where, or, or couples where they might have biological children where the child is then, because of the mother, if the mother is Jewish or the person giving birth is Jewish, then the baby is considered Jewish. It's very old fashioned kind Mm -hmm. of way of looking at it. But then to me, then I get scared about like the rise of anti-Semitism. Is that child going to be seen as Jewish? And then what does that mean? Like, even if that kid doesn't have any connection to their religion, I don't know. I just, it, it, it's then it's mm-hmm. like, what does that mean for that kid? And what it means for that kid is different than what it means for the kid's father or the parent that didn't mm-hmm. give birth. That's so true. Just, it's, it's the same with any sort of, I think, biracial situation. I think as long as you give your kid the tools and education mm-hmm. so that they have an understanding of where they come from or their lineage or what their parents have decided the foundation of their family to be then I think you're not doing a disservice to your kid. I also Mm -hmm. don't have kids, so I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I didn't want to get older and be like, oh, being with a Jewish person makes a lot of sense, but, like, here we are. (laughs) I'm like, for... I I can't believe you're a huge fan of Mal. I know, know, no, seriously. (laughs) Jess can attest to this, because we, like, we have a little outline about, you know, facts... About yeah. you. And I like texted Jess immediately. I was like, holy shit. I did not realize. How did you know? How did you find out about their music? Honestly, yeah, that's one of my co-workers, shout out to Matt. He's not listening to this podcast. There's zero chance. But <laughs> Matt sent me Mal's music like probably two and a half years ago. I was just like, I really think you'd dig their vibe. Like check Mal out. And I was like, okay. And then it, the rest is history. That's it. Oh my god! And I don't know how that, he found Mal. I have no idea. But wow, that's so wild. How did you two meet? Well, <laughs> um, in two th- in 2016, I was invited by my friend Brittany Nichols, who's like a queer comedian, to uh, who I had met on Twitter, uh, to be in a music video. They needed like a bunch of people to be in a music video, and it was right before I was going to this thing called A Camp which is like a a summer camp thing for like a week for uh, like queer non-cis men people uh, in the woods thrown by this website called Autostraddle. And I had been invited to go to a camp as like a celebrity guest. And I was like, okay. okay. And so I was like going to go because I had met some people in L.A. from from Autostraddle. And I was like kind of not really part of that group, but I was like, let me try or whatever. And so we go to the music video shoot and it's from one of Mal's songs. And I met Mal there and I was like, this is the cutest person I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) I'm in love with them. And I was apparently like super weird and was just like making them follow me on things and like was just like (laughs) being like a weirdo. And then they were like, "Okay." And then at, at camp, 
then like four days later at camp, I was like, okay, I'm going to make my move on Mal. But I got too nervous. And so I just got really drunk. And then I was like, which is sort of a move in and of itself. And I was like, time to make my move. And so then I like went up and started talking to them. And a lot of it has been recounted to me from other people. But I was just like flirting with them. And they were like, oh, no, thank you. Um, (laughs) Among other things, they were interested in someone else. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and it was like someone wearing a sparkly dress. And apparently they said, oh, sorry. I'm like, I'm kind of interested in this person. And I pointed at them and went, who, sparkle dress? <laughs> like, was just like, come on. Like, <laughs> was like a disaster. So then the next day I was like really hungover and upset. And I like was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then we kind of like knew each other through friends and like kept in touch and like you know, like would see each other around and stuff. And like, we were like friends. I directed another music video for them um, that I just like kind of, I was like, I want to direct a music. This is like my personality. I was like, hey, I want to direct a music video. Do you have a song that you want a music video for? And I was like, "Uh, you can use this one. And I was like, great, I will pull party. That was the first song that I got sent. Oh, really? So I directed the music video for that. I'm in that video. Super fun. So I directed that and um, and I was like, here you go. I made you a music video sort of against your will. And they were like, oh, I like it. And so there were like a few, you know, then we would like talk on and off and some it would go better. But I knew like they had told other people that they found me annoying, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I was. And then I was dating someone and that person was kind of shitty. And Mal told me that they started thinking they would like see me around with this person. And they started being like, that person's not good enough for Gabby. Like, I don't like that person with Gabby. I don't know why this is bothering me. And then they were like, who? I don't think that person's good enough for Gabby. And then they said they started thinking, who is good enough for Gabby? And then they started thinking, maybe it's me. Maybe (laughs) I like Gabby. And then and then I split up with that person. And I had always liked Mal. And so when me and that person split, oh, so then Mal and I had started talking a little bit more because of um, they were giving me advice on some things that were happening in my life just as friends. And I set them up on a date with another friend of mine. Like it was very clearly like we were just friends. But then me and that other person split up and I texted Mal and was like, if you have a girlfriend, the next time I see you, I'll murder you. And they wrote back and were like, and they wrote back (laughs) and they were like, I kind of like that. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Cha-ching. And then and then they thought that I. they were like, there's a 95% chance Gabby's full of shit. But let's see. And then that then it was another it was a camp. It was like four years later and it was a camp again. And I showed up that night to camp and like knocked on their door. I can't believe like, that happened. We are together now. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, okay. over the span That's of wild. four years. I was thinking like a couple yep. of months. Holy mm-hmm. I did not expect that plot twist. No, it was like we were, no, it was like four years. I dated people in between. They dated people. I mean, I was with someone for like a couple years. Like we were, we were just like friends. But in the back of my head, I was like, I have a crush on them and I like them. And I was like, always like, I was always like mouths in the back of my mind. Like when, you know, that person that like mm-hmm. when you break up with someone, you're like, I wonder what Mal's doing. And there were a couple of times where I hit hit them up and would be like, you know, hey, are you in town? Like, I'm in New York. Like, cause they're in New York. I was in L.A. So, like, you know, I would have a breakup and then I would, like, kind of text them and be like, are you in town? And, like, they were touring musicians. So oftentimes they weren't. Yeah. There were, like, a few. So I, like, say, I like joke. I'm like, you know, every so often you just kind of text <laughs> your friend Mal to be like, hey, are you interested just in me the now? Just You're not? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay, no worries. <laughs> Circle back. <laughs> but now we... Yeah, truly, just like taking the temperature, and then and then now it's been like it'll in June it'll have been two years <laughs> when we wow, lived together. Awesome. We did want to talk about your podcast, or we want to talk about Bad with Money. I'm obsessed with money and finances. Sure. It's hard. It's a difficult thing. You have to think about it all the time. You sure do, JCD. Are you also like? I think you're into like Bitcoin and investing and stuff. Right? I am. Yeah, you think? Yes, you know that. I am definitely into saving my finances. I'm also mm-hmm. like I'm into the stock market, but I don't have enough money to like mm-hmm. throw myself in full throttle, if that makes sense. Like, oh, really? I do- well, yeah, I mean, but but what is full throttle? You know, like I feel like if you're investing even a little or like 
if you if you have any investments, if you if people don't realize that yeah. retirement is investing. I have I, like, have, I have a Roth a retire- IRA. That's what I'm saying. If you have an IRA, you're investing. Yeah. I mean, I have, I mean, listen, I invest in stocks. I do have like quite some money in crypto. Um, oh, but like, I feel like nice. I'm douchebag talking about it, but it's not like, I'm not trying to be douchey about it. I just like kind of started a long time ago and it's been working out in my favor, <laughs> but yeah. like, I don't really read anything. It just happens. Yeah. That's investing is, it can be as big as like the mutual funds and stuff in, in an IRA first. And it can also just be like, I just have a little thing where I'm like, I have some JetBlue stock. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Whatever. Like the pandemic started and I bought a bunch of um, airplane stock, airline that was stock. smart. I don't know. That is smart. But like some to some of it is long term and you got to really care. Mm-hmm. And other times it can be just like a game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did kind of the same thing at the like maybe like week three of the pandemic. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to buy some Carnival Cruise if that ever comes back because it was like truly like six dollars. And now Disney. it's like 30. So like, let's get those cruises going, baby. Like, let's get them up. Disney, when Disneyland closed, Mal bought, because it was like, so smart. Stock was like, but yeah, so you're like a big, like, how can I, you're a big, like money, like financial learner type. Person. Yes. I'm really into the idea of passive income and fuck you money, which is a real mm-hmm. thing. And I mm-hmm. am obsessed with how much money people make and how much they spend. Because mm-hmm. those two things are not always aligned with each other. But I just think your podcast is fascinating because it caters to young people who are trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to handle their finances. Because you were not so great with it, right? Or- <laughs> no, the that. show, the sh- no, no. Bad Famously, the show, the show and the book are both called Bad With yeah. Me. And that's because the show started with me just like, I didn't know anything. I like called my student loan provider on air and was like, what are my student loans? Who are they with? What, it, what is any of this? I didn't know. I was like, what is my interest? What is, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I, I barely knew what my bank accounts were. I had, I, I paid my credit cards, but like, I really had, I really never looked at what the balances were. Like I was like checked out. Mm-hmm. And then when something dire would come up, I'd totally freak out and cry and like, I never had any money. Mm-hmm. Somehow I never had any money. And I would go from freelancing to full-time jobs to freelancing to full-time jobs. And I and I never, like, understood my 401k. I never took it with me from job to job. Like, I just, like, didn't know what health, what healthcare was important to have. I never checked the, I, I never even looked into, like, did you check the box to have taxes taken out? Did you not? Mm-hmm. Like, it was bad. And, like, I always say, like, Bad with money doesn't mean you don't have money Mm -hmm. because rich people are bad with money. There's like, it just means that you're not paying attention and you're not being like active in making decisions for yourself and you're not aware of what's going in and what's going out. That's all. Yeah. I mean, there are people who have like no income who are so good with money versus like, you know, this woman, Rachel Sherman, wrote a book called Uneasy Street and she interviews a lot of very rich people. And there's like one part where a woman is like, we spent $60,000 this month. What did we spend it on? And the husband's like, I don't know. And she's like, I don't know either. What? And that person is a millionaire. But to me, (sighs) she's bad with money. Did you ever get any blowback or anyone saying like, well, you're Jewish. Jewish people are good with money or Jewish people are rich. Yeah, but I kind of wrote about that in my book about how like I came from this background in Florida that like had nothing to do with Judaism. Mm -hmm. It's weird because that stereotype comes from like we were forced out of other lines of work. Like basically the reason that there's like the stereotype of Jews being good with money is because we were so marginalized in certain ancient communities that the only job that we were allowed to have was like money lending and banking. Like that's the only job that they would let Jews touch. And so like they're sort of mocking us for something that we were forced into doing to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of interesting to be a Jewish person with a money podcast, but I'm not, I don't feel that I'm coming at it from a place of like, I know more than you and I'm right. great because the whole show is about how I suck. <laughs> and I've never really been interesting to do an episode about, I've never really done an episode about like being a Jewish person with a money podcast. I should, that should yeah. that be a That's good really idea, interesting. Actually. That. that would be yeah. a good idea, actually. So I wonder if that's I'm, a thing people... I'm sure. I mean, that's about. the biggest stereotype or the biggest, like, microaggression that I experience mm-hmm. that always has to do with 
finances. And I think that that's really interesting to explore, like the psychology of money and like the assumptions that we have about certain people. About like Jews, mm-hmm. Jews having money, Jews yeah. being good at money. Jew- I mean, that's the whole thing of like, you know, get a Jewish account. Yeah. <laughs> and also like, that's not even historically true, which mm-hmm. we don't have time to get into, but like having a Jewish accountant is not even like historically <laughs> accurate. But the, that and as we talked about the stereotype of like, we are mm-hmm. all over Hollywood, which like feeds on itself because all of us in Hollywood are like, <laughs> talk to each other. But I'm sure like there's just as many of other, you know, religions in Hollywood. Yeah, I, would say I think it is this- truly a <clears throat> lovely mishmash of people. But because yeah. that, because there are more Jews in Los Angeles, there are more in this right. industry than other industries because this industry happens to be mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. But it is yeah. not like, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of ways to parse out what like money like there's just a whole history of like yeah. Jews being forced mm-hmm. into the money sector and right. then blamed for it. I really should do. You're, that was a great idea. I really should do an episode about like the history of Jews. Yeah, hey, Jessica, development brain. I think. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Thank this you for being great. on the show. This was Thank so, you for so much me. for doing it. This was a blast. You blast. Thanks for joining us, Gabby. You can follow her on Instagram at Gabby Road G A B Y. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen for free on Spotify. Don't forget to rate and review us or leave us a comment. If you want to support our show financially, check out our Anchor page. Just type in Pray For Us. You'll find it. We love money. Follow us on Insta at Pray For Us Pod. And if you feel like it, send us a note at PrayForUsPod at gmail.com. Shabbat Shalom. This podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. Yay, Josh. We love you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs>